if you have a loyalty program already, the people who are in your program using it are already loyal. Can they be more loyal? What else do they do outside of being loyal to you that you could provide them offers to get them to be more loyal back to your brand? You're listening to Real Marketing Real Fast, the only podcast that brings you unfiltered, undaunted, insider information on the latest tools and technologies for online marketers. Prepare to dive deep into marketing myths, breakthrough models, and cutting-edge strategies that will have an immediate impact on the growth of your business. And now, here's your host, marketing expert, Doug Morneau. Well, welcome back to listeners to another episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Today in the studio, I've got joining me Rob Gallo, and he runs a company called CompLinks. So if your business deals with customers and you want to understand what makes them tick, then you and I owe it to ourselves to glean some knowledge from someone who's literally been there and done that. So Rob is considered an expert in customer engagement and building consumer brand loyalty. Um, he's going to share some real life stories of his 20 years of successes and failures in that business in you know, the ultra competitive casino business that translates really into any business that deals with customers as their lifeblood. We had a great conversation that kind of brought me back to years ago working in the customer loyalty business or space with retailers and really just shone a light on, you know, how far technology's advanced and how we can leverage this type of program to have our customers repeatedly come back, earn rewards elsewhere, but spend that money with us. So if that sounds interesting to you, I'd just suggest that you uh, sit back, tune in, listen up. And then when you've got some questions at the end of the episode, uh, make sure you reach out to Rob. So, hey, Rob, welcome to the Real Marketing Real Fast podcast today. Thanks, Doug. Thanks for having me. So super excited uh, to talk to a fellow entrepreneur and really interested in uh, kind of your deep expertise in with engagement and loyalty. So do you want to give uh, just a little bit of background uh, for our listeners who don't know you yet on kind of, you know, what you're doing and how you're helping people? Sure. So, Starting back in the beginning and how it relates to marketing, I started in the online industry, advertising and marketing back in 95. So, you know, we used to advertise in the newspapers to get leads and, uh, you know, it was a laborious process. You put the ad out there, you'd wait two or three days for it to get approved and then get in the paper the following week. And then by the end of the month, maybe you'd have, you know, 10, 15, 20 leads. And then uh, CompuServe came about and I know I'm dating myself, but, uh, you know, this is pre-AOL days and <laughs> dial-up yeah. on a probably 300 baud rate modem. Again, dating myself. People don't even know what that is. Uh, but nonetheless, we I put an ad out on a forum and I had 16 leads by the end of the day. And I was blown away. And I became an internet junkie since um, then in 97, 1997, I launched an online casino. Uh, I just happened to be at the right place at the right time. And uh, it was phenomenal. So the marketing in that aspect was a, a completely separate animal. So when I started in 97, there was probably five other properties in the industry. And making money was easy. Yep. Cost per acquisition for a customer was $20. Lifetime value was 900 So you could do the math. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I got started. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's really cool. So why don't you just share just a little bit of what you guys are doing with uh, with comp links so our guests understand what it is that you're what you're actually doing today. 
Yeah. So again, following up with the casino, because it kind of leads into that. In 98, the company that we licensed the technology from didn't have a uh, a CRM, a back end, so to say. They gave us three flat files a day. So we ended up building a loyalty platform within our own you know, technology. We just basically built it from scratch. And that was our start in the loyalty space because as I'm assuming most of your listeners might know, they've, if you've been to a casino, you get a loyalty card, you go in, you play, you earn rewards. Yep. So we became very adept at understanding who our customer was, getting a granular view of how often they played, the, the amounts they've played, the types of games they played, the days of the week they played, and it all made a difference. So fast forward to 2010, I sold the business, quasi-retired, did very well. But in uh, 2016, my daughter graduated from business school and we looked to acquire a company called Long Island Loyalty. They had a coalition loyalty platform that uh, was pretty neat, had about 250 merchants in their platform where you could say, go to a deli, buy something, get 10% loaded onto this store value card, and then spend it somewhere else in the network and they settled up behind the scenes. So we tried to acquire the company, we just couldn't come to terms with the owner, so we said, let's build our own. Then my daughter had the brilliant idea. She said, well, why don't we do it casino focused? So that's what we did. We built a white label turnkey platform specific to the casino industry initially, but now we're branching out into other verticals like entertainment, hotel, food and beverage. Depends on the company and the amount of loyalty program provider um, subscribers that they have. Sure. So what it does in a nutshell is it allows a company's users in a loyalty program to earn rewards outside of that program for shopping online at places like Walmart, Amazon, Home Depot, Best Buy, Petco, and a thousand other stores that pay us a commission. We share that commission with the consumer in the form of points that they can only redeem back at that initial client's loyalty program. Oh, that's really cool. I mean, I I haven't had a guest on my show yet talking about loyalty. Pretty familiar. I worked in that space for quite a while with a number of, you know, a restaurant. So I I get a, uh, you know, I understand a bit of it. So in today's terms, for our listeners who aren't familiar, you know, what what does a loyalty program look like to them? Because at one point we had, you know, 500 cards in our wall because everybody had their own program. And then the vision of the marketplace was, hey, we're going to go to smart cards. You're going to have one chip card and the chip is going to have all your loyalty programs in one. And fast forward to today. Now I've got my iPhone and I can load all my loyalty apps onto my iPhone. So what is your, you know, your definition today of a customer loyalty program? Great question. So when you look at it this way, Doug, each individual brand wants loyalty from its customers to its company and product and services, right? Yeah, you think of Apple, you think of Starbucks, McDonald's. They do what they can to keep you thinking of their brand more often. So when you think about what loyalty means to you personally, Doug, I don't know if you use Apple or uh, a PC or, or if you drink Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts or, you know, but you have a, an emotional connection to a brand that yep. leads you to engage with that brand more often than anyone else. You might drive out of your way and pass the Dunkin' Donuts to get to a Starbucks if you have that emotional connection. So that's the first step in loyalty, right? And most people get it wrong. It's not just points. Points is a, you know, an additional nice feature, but it's not the end all be all. The the real so in addition to, you know, providing the service that we do, we actually help companies understand the objective that they're looking to achieve and you know, we let them tell us what it is and then we 
tailor the program to make sure that it answers those those check marks, right? So, so emotional emotional contact you're saying is one, and that that totally makes sense. And I remember when before Starbucks launched their program, I was invited to go meet with their executives in Seattle, and they were then we were under then we we're under NDA, but obviously is long past. They were about to launch their Starbucks prepaid card. And they were looking to see if some of the initiatives that we were working with loyalty could fit. And so a number of us in the office went and bought the prepaid cards as soon as they came out with the promise that we'd get together once a week and we'd talk about our, our experience and how we felt emotionally about carrying this card in our wallet. Mm-hmm. And what was interesting was I noticed my purchases went up because I felt that almost felt like they owed me something because I had put $50 on the card. So not only did I only go back to Starbucks and walk past, you know, Tim Hortons and, and Blends and all the other coffee stores, but I went there more often. Yeah. Well, so you became part of the group that belongs to the Starbucks crowd, right? Yeah. So it's not just you individually. It's you wanted to be a part of something more than just that brand. It's uh, the the tribal effect, you know, so there's books have been written on it. But suffice it to say, the easiest way to attain that is exactly like that, creating that emotional bond between you and that company. Uh, whether it's, it's not always on price because obviously if you look at Starbucks price, it's astronomical in comparison to what a true cup of coffee tastes, but it's the experience that you get when you get there. So it should be at every touch point. And it comes down to their, their marketing of the program as well and how it makes you feel part of the group. So beyond the emotional side, what's the next step? Because you said you help companies walk through this. So there's the emotional connection, like you said, to be part of a tribe, to be part of something bigger than you. So I'm part of the, you know, I'm a Starbucks person and you're a, a Dunkin' Donuts person or or whatever it is. What, what's kind of the next uh, connection with the consumer? Well, the best thing to do is ease of use. So the reduced friction is on the user experience side. It needs to be seamless. So I know this you know, again, people every, everywhere say it, right. but, and as you mentioned earlier on in the, in the program, now it's easier than ever because everyone has their phone with them. So if you're not using an app to build your loyalty platform and vice versa, that's a huge mistake, right? Don't think of a, a card in someone's wallet. I'm, right. I don't even carry a wallet anymore. I have my phone that has all my information on it, right? <laughs> that's so, right. Uh, so the yeah, ease of yeah. use and a frictionless, that's, that's probably together combined uh, with those two. And then the overall experience is how it feels to the customer to actually use. So 57% of loyalty members abandon a loyalty program saying that it takes too long to earn a reward. Wow. So if it's unattainable, that's six out of 10 people that don't use a rewards card anymore because it takes too long. So we looked at that one key component and decided, and, but, but suffice to say, I mean, getting back to the point, we did not invent the idea of what we do now. Yeah. If you look at Ebates, yeah. right? Ebates is a perfect example of what we do at Complex. And that is we allow customers to engage with any brand that they want, but then earn a series of rewards specific to them, where in in Ebates, which is now Rakuten, that they can exchange for cash. So we built a white label version of that, whereby let's say Starbucks has all their customers. They can now, in addition to buying stuff at their stores, buying coffee and food or whatever, they could shop at Walmart 
Home Depot, Best Buy, Petco, a thousand brand name stores, book travel yep. and earn rewards that they can exclusively use back at their Starbucks card. That's that's cool. There in in Canada, there's one of our retailers who who's done this, and I think they finally got it right. I've seen lots of programs that like you said come and go, but it, but it's amazing how they have you know they've produced a, a loyalty card, they've got a credit card, and they've tied in several other similar retailers where exactly what you said. So I go into the the auto store and I buy I buy something, I buy some new wax and stuff for my car, and then I earn points so I can go to the sports store and I can buy an, a new golf shirt or a new pair of shoes, in which case I generate points there as well. So I can go back to, you know, someplace else. So it's, yeah, it's interesting watching how these programs um, over the years have evolved. So do you have an example of someone that you helped to, you know, a, a business name them or not name them that, you know, didn't have a loyalty program where they, they came to you guys and you helped them build a program and then just talk to us a little bit about how that transformed their business. Yeah. So our platform is not a loyalty program in and of itself. So a company that we work with already has a loyalty program. Okay. Our integration into that loyalty program is basically one line of code through an API. I don't want to get into the technical weeds, but yeah. from a simplistic standpoint, think of, let's say, Starbucks. Now, I'll give you an a real world example. Um, we have Parks Casino, the largest casino in Pennsylvania. You go into the casino, you play video poker, blackjack, slots, roulette, you earn rewards. Now, when you go home, and as you rightly mentioned, people are not in the casino. They're only in the casino 10 days a year on average. I mean, I know there's some people listening saying that they're there every day. They might be listening at the casino right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking I got a few of my friends that are there 10 o'clock every morning. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but again, speaking averages, so the average consumer uh, a player is there 10 days a year. So the 355 days that they're not there, they're shopping buying gifts, buying a fan from Home Depot, pet food for their dog, they're traveling. What if you could earn rewards that you can only use back at parks? Now, they have an affinity to parks in the first place, right? Sure. So yep. what we've done was we've, been, we've created an engagement platform where while the customer is not on site, he's still thinking about the park or she is still thinking about the parks casino brand because She's shopping for school clothes for her kids, or he's buying cigars, or she's buying, you know, a ceiling fan from Home Depot, whatever it is. And they're earning rewards that are encouraging them back to the casino. Oh, that's cool. Okay, now I get it. Sorry, I, I was looking at different concepts. So that totally makes sense. I've got a loyalty program, and what I'm going to do is is have more have different points of contact. So my card or loyalty program is the top of my consumer's mind, and yes. they can earn, but they have to come back and spend with me. Correct. Okay. So if you so it's called a coalition loyalty program in in its true sense, but it's more of a hybrid in the sense. So coalition loyalty. I don't know if you know the Plenty program that was by American Express a couple of years ago. It became defunct because uh, lots of reasons, but the main one was it became confusing for the consumer on the burn off side. So there's two sides of a loyalty program. I can earn points and I can burn them. Right. So how do I earn points? Plenty had a program where you can earn same thing from shopping at thousands of different locations. But the burn off side was I could go to mobile or Exxon. I could go to Hulu. I can go to AT&T. I can go to Macy's. I can go to Rite Aid. One particular company in each vertical to burn them off. 
Okay. Yeah. But sometimes it becomes too confusing for a consumer. The more choices you give them, the less likely they are to even make a choice. <laughs> yep. I find that, especially when I'm looking at a wine list. Yes. It's like exactly. really 300 pages. I mean, I appreciate the choices, but if you just, if I could, the small you could come over and just pick one, yeah. that'd be great. Just give me a Bordeaux and I'm, I'm good. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah right. um, so the reasoning, again, behind Plenty's. I don't want to say demise, but it became too convoluted on the burn-off side. So looking at that, we, again, focused specifically on the only thing you could do with those points is burn them back at the flagship property who we build the platform for. Right. Okay. Which is a win-win because you think anyone that has a loyalty program, their primary objective is to get their customers to come back more often. Yep. That's the goal. Yep. We run specific promotions for our clients whereby the earning of those points also trigger events like we gave away two tickets to see Steve Miller at the Excite Center, which is Parks Casino's you know, 5,000, 6,000 person stadium that they have all these events at. So it drives the customer back there. We give away um, a free glass of wine with every entree ordered at uh, one of their restaurants on property. Right. So everything that we do is geared to drive the customer back to that property with the mindset that, hey, all these extra perks and bonuses came to me through my everyday shopping anyway. And now I get to exchange them for rewards that are meaningful to me. Now, from the loyalty program company. So, uh, you know, if we want to go back to use the example of of parks, well, actually, maybe I shouldn't because they're a client of yours. So let's use uh, someone who's not a client. Just go back to your Starbucks example. So Starbucks has a loyalty program. So if I'm Starbucks and, and I come to you and and we, uh, you know, roll out a program where I can leverage the, you know, your, your platform to let my shoppers buy other places, do I get any of that insight on my consumers? So it's, can I see the data of what they're doing when they're not in my store? Absolutely. In fact, uh, we share that data because it's their data. In, this, in essence, we're just a conduit between the merchants that, that someone shops at and those clients from Starbucks. So we share how much the purchase was for because they're going to get a commission on it, uh, what the product was, and any details. Now, not every merchant gives us that granularity. Yep. So for example, Office Depot just tells us someone bought something $112, here's your commission, and we share it with the customer. Okay. Walmart gets down to you know, 12 ounce, 16, 12 ounce bottles of XYZ or whatever the case may be, You know, a hunter ceiling fan, 52 inch blades, a light, it'll show you the actual picture of it. So uh, you get to build a 360 degree view of your customer to see what they're doing outside your four walls. That well, that's what I was thinking, and because that was the that was the big appetite when we were doing lots of work in loyalty, was less less about the program and more about building more intelligence about your consumers to serve them better and to be able to go and identify and attract more. And I had recently just had uh, Christopher Lockhead on my podcast, and we're talking about the data flywheel and companies like Netflix who know everything that you're watching, and companies like Amazon that know everything that you're buying. So in essence, you give a business that's got a loyalty program the same ability to see their consumers as Amazon has. Correct. Well, that's really, that's really cool. So where do you see the opportunities moving forward? I mean, technology is moving quick. 
you know, there's lots of people competing for for our attention as consumers. Um, no different than you know the days when I was talking about loyalty. You know, why I can't keep 50 cards in my my wallet. Now I've only got you know I only want to have so many apps on my phone. So where do you see it going in the next you know um, year or two? That's a gr- another great question, Doug. So I think really things are moving into the hands of the consumer at a much more rapid rate in the sense that consumers have thousands of decisions to make every single day and they narrow it down to the the best two or three, four choices, whatever the case may be. But it comes down to the consumer's mind share and how they think about each individual brand. So again, what we do in loyalty and what most companies do in loyalty, I don't want to say it's the same, it's ubiquitous, it's not. But the differentiator is what's going to be personalized to me. So the first and foremost thing now, I think, is I can't even say this word, but experience oriented. Right. Yep. Put it to you that way. Um, So I know you're trying to say and I was going to try to say it, but my brain went, no, you can't say that word either. So don't worry. (laughs) So, you know, rather than points, rather than discounts, people want unique experiences that are personalized to them. Right. So if you think from a loyalty perspective of a customer that you know on a on an I don't want to say intimate basis, but you know what they like. They travel two or three times a year to a certain destination. When they rent a car, they rent a luxury vehicle. You know the types of uh, the brand of cigars that they smoke. Um, you know you can kind of build a mental picture, and then with the artificial intelligence, you're going to be able to determine what that customer is more likely to be motivated by in order to keep him interested in your brand and continue to buy from you. Yeah, that makes sense. So in terms of, you know, kind of the the, the big players that are out there, who do you think is doing a real good job? Because, you know, there's lots of lots of people in the marketing business and I'll just relate it back to, you know, some of the stuff that I do. So in terms of email and direct response, a lot of people, you know, build a list and, and they just pound the pound the list and there's no there's no great experience for the consumer. There's no insight to the consumer. So they treat everybody equally. So is there any one particular brand that you think is doing an extremely good job of of making that experience great for customers? Again, another great question, Doug. And uh, I'm going to give props to a company who, unfortunately, we did not win their business through an RFP, but it was Caesars Entertainment. Okay. Yeah. So Caesars Entertainment, under the tutelage of Gary uh, Loveman back in the day, back in the late 90s, I think it was, in early 2000s, he did player segmentation. Player segmentation to, I think it was 140 or 150 different uh, variants. So to give you a, a real world example, if I go to a casino with my wife, a Caesars property, and we both have cards, right? A, a, a total reward card that they now just changed to Caesars Rewards. Yep. And I play poker and she plays uh, slots. When we get home three, four days later, there's going to be a piece of mail in the mail for me that's telling me about the upcoming uh, poker tournaments and schedule for my local casino that I uh, visited. And she's going to have a slots tournament, all slots oriented, things like that. So in, in speaking to a consumer on an individual basis, getting that granularity makes a difference 
because sure. it feels more like they're speaking to me. Yep, now, yep. granted, I know they're sending that to everyone else that play poker, and my wife is getting the message that everyone else would play. But it's counterintuitive to the sense that most marketers think, well, she already plays slots. I should be talking to her about pie gal poker or <laughs> bingo. But that's not what interests her. You know, the headline should be slots. That's going to motivate her. The headline for me is only going to be poker, right? If it's a blackjack tournament, it goes in the garbage. Now, that's not to say that you can't have the headline be poker and everything. Else, and then a little blurb about, you know, other people who have enjoyed poker also like blackjack and they found this variant of the game. So obviously that goes back to Amazon and, and other people like you who bought this also bought this. Yeah, that's immediately what came to my mind. As soon as you said that, I went, yeah, that's Amazon. You know, mm -hmm. people bought this too. So it's like, okay, so you look at it. Yeah. Yeah. So their rewards program is a little bit different. And that's becoming a bigger trend now where people are a subscription-based loyalty program, right? You're paying for Prime. And now you, like you mentioned before, you, you almost feel obligated to buy something on Prime because it's going to be here in two days. Yeah. And you've already spent the $115 a year or whatever it is to be a member. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's that, like you said, it puts it uh, top of mind. People say, you know, you, you pay attention to what you pay for. Yeah, exactly. So how does that play into kind of today's world of engagement? Because everyone's talking about engagement, gamification, and, and brands obviously struggle with that. So on the marketing side, they're talking about, well, how can we create content and what should we do in social? And, and everyone's looking at how to um, have a deeper engagement with their customers. And, and I obviously encourage engagement and, and not always be not always be 100% selling. Like quit sending me sales offers every single day. There's more to me in my life than just buying your product. I can only go, like you said, to the casino or Starbucks so many times. Mm -hmm. So help me out with something else. So wh where do you see customer engagement moving forward in the next couple of years in terms of looking at your strategy and what you guys are rolling out? Yeah, this is going to sound antiquated, but you should ask your customer. Ask your oh, customer. Oh, no, not the customer. The marketing guys don't know everything? Yeah. Ask them what they can, what you can offer that would be appealing to them. As silly as that sounds, but what would motivate you, right? What is it that we have that you want? Or what is it that you want in and of itself? And yeah. we'll work and strive to bring it to you. Or what is it that you want that we don't have? Yeah. Yeah, we did that with a client that was in the skincare business. Uh, they had a license with Gus, uh, Guthy Renker for the big skincare product, uh, Proactive Solutions. And so one of the questions on a survey that I had them send out to the customer was, what else would you buy from us if we offered it? Hmm. And it was just an open-ended question. Yeah. And that led to this company launching a hair care line. And was it enough? Yeah, the, enough of the customers put their hand up and said, you know what, if you guys had hair care products, we would buy hair care. So I just took them to a big manufacturer that was a big name brand, said, we'd like you guys to white label hair care products. We have this many customers who have already put their hand up and said they'd buy it. Yeah, well. And that was a simple question saying, what else would you buy? And they clearly weren't in the hair care business. They were just a reseller of, of somebody else's product, but they developed their own product line. A hundred percent. So. Yeah. You know, that dovetails into exactly what we do and why we decided to do it was exactly that. So if you have a loyalty program already, the people who are in your program using it are already loyal. Can they be more loyal? What else do they do outside of being loyal to you that you could 
provide them offers to get them to be more loyal back to your brand. Well, and the nice thing is it, it it's not coming out of your, like, I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of discounts. I just, in terms of my clients, I'm saying, you know, don't, don't, don't give your product or service away. You obviously have something that's valuable. So ask for full price. Yes. Um, but if you do want to incentivize something, let's go find a partner who's willing to step up. So we would do this lots of times in the restaurant industry. I know mm-hmm. we've done lots of work in the restaurant industry. So we would go to restaurants and get them to give the gift. So here's a $25 gift certificate for a restaurant. And instead of a buy one, get one, because that sounds cheesy, $25 is basically the same thing. And, you know, that was a third party then supplying the incentive to keep that customer loyal with us, but we didn't have to pay for the gift. A hundred percent. So we have third party, fourth party up to the thousandth party. Yeah. There's, and, you know, that's, that's kind of how Kayak built its model on the aggregation of allowing customers to click a button and shop for an airline that, you know, an air, an airfare, instead of being comparison shopping on 15 different airline sites, they do it on one and they get a commission and, you know, they basically pay arbitrage on the, uh, on the commissions. So without digging into all your secret sauce. So as, so if I'm a business owner, so for our listeners who are saying, okay, I have a store, uh, online, offline, whatever it is, or I have a loyalty program, the reward that's received at Home Depot in the, your example, does the, uh, do I pay for that? No, we do. So, so the way it works is just imagine a referral program uh, or a, you know, an affiliate program that we belong to thousands of affiliate programs. So Home Depot pays us 8% commission for any sale that we send to them. Okay. Right. So we share that commission with the consumer. We give them 4%. We keep 4%. The only thing the customer could do with the 4%, so let's say he buys something for $100. Yeah. He gets $4 worth of stored value in his rewards everywhere account that the only thing he could do is exchange them back to the flagship property. In this case, we're using the example of Parks Casino. So Park says, it doesn't cost us money. We give the Parks the $4 that the customer transferred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking this this sounds like a pretty simple equation. So I'm going to I'm going to introduce you to, I don't know, pick a number, 500 different retailers where your customers can go shop. And every time they shop there, um, I'm going to give them money so they'll come back and spend it in your store. Yes. Okay. That's pretty simple. Yeah. So Southwest has a program. Uh, every airline does. Barclays Bank has has a program. Fuel Rewards is probably the best example, Shell. So Shell, if you go to Shell and you are a member of their uh, rewards program, you buy gas, you get rewards that you can get more gas. Sure. In addition, they have the Fuel Rewards program that is run by a competitor of ours, but they do a phenomenal job of it. They advertise on television that, that you could shop at all these different places. You could buy travel, again, pretty much the same groups of companies that we have buy something from Target, and you can earn money off of your gas in a closed loop type of relationship. Right. Yeah. No, I get that. I mean, the disadvantage I've seen with those types of programs, because I, I met with, I've met with a number of those, those groups. I've met with the Home Depots and the Air Miles guys in that in the past is that, you know, I, I've always found it's a disadvantage sometimes for the merchant to take them because the customer is loyal to that card. And if I stop offering that reward, the customer will move 
we'll move on. Um, but I haven't seen a program like you're like you're mentioning. So what type of customers or what type of clients would you would you typically onboard? So, you know, if if you know, we're listening to our, our audience is listening, saying, OK, is this a fit for me? Who would this be a fit for? It would be a fit for anyone that has at least 20,000 active members in their loyalty program. It's it's based on volume. The numbers are not astronomical. It's not every single person is going to adopt this and start shopping and, and generating tons of revenue. The the It's incremental, but it works on volume. So when you think about 20,000 uh, 20, active members. Yeah in someone's loyalty program and we consider an active member as someone who has earned at least one point in the last 90 days okay then it makes financial sense the way the numbers back out because the average consumer is going to generate between two and three dollars in in commissions on a monthly basis for themselves by shopping through these platforms so like i said when someone goes to home depot you're not going to buy a ceiling fan from home depot every day but let's say it's a hundred dollars and they're going to earn four dollars in commissions that's that's a decent sized purchase on the regular basis uh but we have customers that are going to sam's club through our platform and buying stuff for their businesses sure and they're they're buying lots of stuff for their businesses and they're earning maybe 30 or $40 worth of commissions every month, right? But the averages, the law of averages, bring it down to about two, between two and $3. It's $2.40 on average per user okay, per month. Okay, that's, that's funny. I mean, it's, that's, that's data, right? So there oh, you yeah. go, you've got the exact number. So what are you most excited about in the next, I don't know, six to 12 months? What I'm excited about in the next six to 12 months, I think is the... Um, I, again, I don't like to use the term artificial intelligence because it might not necessarily be that, but it's the um, the programmatic way people are engaging with, I guess we'll call them bots, right? Good, intelligent chat bots. And I've seen good ones and I've seen bad ones. I can't think of a specific <laughs> example of good ones, but you know what I mean. Yeah, you yeah. get to a site yeah, and it's yeah. telling you, and you can see they, they make it clear that it's a bot. Yeah. But it's it's trying to depict what you're saying, and 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 steering you to the right answers. And I guess the 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 accelerated answer to this is I remember back in the day I I bought a program called it was a voice type dictation thing. I've been in front of a computer for 25 years. I still can't type. But it was a it was called Dragon Voice or something like that. And I paid 800 dollars for it way back in the 90s. Yeah. And it was terrible. I had to sit and practice and, and teach it for hours and hours and hours to get it to understand what I wanted it to type. Now, Google gets it <laughs> right yeah. and voice inflection almost every time. Yeah. So the advances in the, in the programming type of language that people are going to start to understand what people are really asking is, is the intriguing thing. I think in the next six to 12 months, it's going to get even more crazy. Yeah, I'm super excited kind of how technology is rolling out and seeing, you know, the, to use the the buzzword AI and machine learning and, and and programmatic advertising. There's so many changes coming, obviously still require human intervention, but machines can look at a lot more variables um, and help us look at options that we couldn't see with our naked eye. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So in the loyalty space, you know, what's the, what's the bad advice you hear? So, you know, if you're at the big marketing conference, like I used to go to the DMA for years and years and they always had us, you know, there was guys speaking about loyalty and guys speaking about direct mail. And so what's the bad advice that you hear when you just want to go interrupt the conversation and go note you're like way off base? Yeah. Uh, the biggest problem I think is status quo. I think people recognize, well, we built a loyalty program. 
right? But they don't understand the metrics. They don't understand what, what it really means to engage with a user. And sometimes you have to take your own you know, advice and be on the, on the receiving end of it. And how, how do you feel when you interact with a brand? And then kind of translate that into what it is that you're attempting to provide with your loyalty program. So the biggest issue that I see right now is people are, you know, comfortable in the fact that they have a loyalty program, but aren't really peeling back the onion to see why the churn is so high, right? The attrition is ridiculous and they don't understand it and they don't know what to do about it. And they're not seeking out opportunities to improve it. So, so there's status quo. Say, hey, we built this already and then we're off to the next new shiny thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why we have companies like Blockbuster Blockbuster Videos. Oh, who are they? <laughs> Nokia, right? Yeah. They don't need to innovate. Yeah. So two last questions and I'll I'll let you get back to serving your customers. I love I love this conversation. I could I could talk to you for hours on this, have a deep interest in and have had an interest in loyalty for a long time. But who's one guest you think I absolutely have to have on my podcast? One guest you have to have on your podcast, marketing. I'm going to say marketing, business, sales, business, sales, Gary Vanderchuk. There we are. So if you can introduce me to him, that'd be uh, great. I will do my best. And where's the best place for people to connect with you, Rob? Uh, we actually set up a specific page. Yeah. Uh, so it's complinks.co, just .co, uh, forward slash RMRF for real marketing real fast. Excellent. And also on, on LinkedIn, I've got, uh, you know, maybe 10,000 connections on LinkedIn already. Well, there you go. Well, I appreciate you taking time today and uh, sharing what you're doing. I think I try to keep up to date on what's happening. Stuff is moving so quick. I haven't seen any major innovations um, like what you're sharing in the loyalty space. And that's why, you know, when I started talking to you and I looked at your bio and your background before we before we hopped online, thinking I haven't talked to anybody in loyalty in a long time. It's been a very quiet subject. Seems that everybody wants to talk about LinkedIn, video, TikTok. And I've always told people that, you know, the, the, the money, the riches really are in your database. So go back to your own database and find out how you can mine that. And I think, um, you know, you've shown, you've given us some ideas of how to do that, but also to leverage partnerships. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, there's an old adage in marketing that it's six times more cost effective to retain a customer than to acquire a new one. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned that. Every... Almost, I was going to say every time, but that wouldn't be true. Almost every time I speak in front of a, a crowd, I ask that question. I said, so how many people here have heard that it costs six times more to acquire a new customer? And everybody puts up their hand. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, so let's talk about your marketing budget. If your marketing budget is $100, what percentage of that are you spending on retention and what percentage are you spending on acquisition? Mm -hmm. And well, we both know what the answer is. Everybody's spending all their money on acquisition. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, didn't you just say like not 30 seconds ago that it costs, you know, 10 times more? Yes. Um, so. <laughs> 100%. So there you go, listeners. I, I hope you get that point. I'm a big fan of loyalty. Loyalty programs have had success, have seen success. Um, love what Rob and his company are doing. Uh, years ago when we were in this space, it was a cost prohibitive to do this, to create programs. Um, there certainly wasn't these types of partnerships available where you could connect with someone like Rob at Complinks and, and, and plug and play your existing program. So I would really encourage you if uh, this is the space you're in, if you've got a loyalty program, head over and take a look at uh, what they're doing and then reach out and see if they can help you out. So 
Thanks for tuning in. Uh, We look forward to serving you on our next episode. That's all for this episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Now it's time to take your marketing to the next level by visiting DougMorneau.com and downloading our advanced marketing white papers as well as exclusive resources based on today's episode. That's DougMorneau.com. Until next time, we look forward to serving you right here on Real Marketing Real Fast.